At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, we are continuing our series all about unreached people groups. And if you listen to the show previous to this one, we had David Platt on. He's a pastor in DC and runs an organization called Radical and they do a lot of work to help people reach the unreached people group. Well, today we're in for a treat because Stephen Morales is my guest today. And Stephen is a visual storyteller and a pastor based out of Guatemala City. He's the content director for Radical, so he works alongside David. And he hosts the Explainer documentary series, Neighborhoods and Nations. You guys, you have got to go watch this series on YouTube. It's called Neighborhoods and Nations. I'll link it in the show notes. Make sure you get our newsletter so you get all the information. Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter to sign up. I just send you two newsletters a week. It's when the shows come out. So we tell you about the shows. But you're going to make sure that you see his series on YouTube. It is so good. It is so helpful. And it really does explain so much about people around the world that for most of us living in North America may not have a good context for. And so I'm so grateful for the work that he's doing. Speaking of YouTube, I can't help but tell you to go watch his show and also tell you that you can see this interview on YouTube. That's right. If you're a visual person or you just want to put YouTube on around the house when you're doing some schoolwork or some laundry or cooking dinner, whatever it might be, and every once in a while you can look up and see Stephen and I chatting. I have a YouTube channel as well. We have so many interviews from the Happy Hour over on my YouTube channel. In fact, almost every show from 2023 has a video up there, and this one has a video as well. It's really well done. I interviewed him the same time I interviewed David when I was in D.C. and earlier in the year, and so the video is phenomenal because their team put it together for me, and so make sure you go check that out. It's jamieiv.com slash YouTube. It'll take you straight to my page. Subscribe to my page, and then make sure you subscribe to Neighborhoods and Nations. Again, I will put a link to all of these things in the show notes. You're going to tell from my conversation with Stephen today that he is super passionate about stories and telling stories about people who come from different backgrounds than the people that might be watching his shows. One of the episodes that's currently already up is when he spent a week in Iran. In fact, he was there during the first few weeks of the protests against the Islamic regime. They also spent time in Istanbul. And we talk about that today on the show so that he could understand how what once was the capital of Christianity fell away to Islam and secularism. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation and then go watch all of their videos. Here is my conversation with Stephen Morales. Stephen, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It's exciting to have you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I hope I hope it's a happy hour. It is a happy hour with our water and coffee. Yes. Stephen, I met you in the fall mm-hmm. and um, at the same place that I was spoke about in the last episode that I was um, with David at a, an event for Radical. And I immediately, like literally, as soon as I, they showed your film, I was like, I need him on the happy hour right now. And so I'm glad you're here. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. All right. Introduce yourself to my listeners. 
All right. Well, I'm Stephen uh, Morales. I work with Radical. I'm the content director there. Um, do a lot of storytelling, mainly uh, telling the story of uh, persecuted church, church in hard places, church in places where there's a lot of oppression, ideological oppression or persecution, and trying to just bring more light and attention to that. I am from Guatemala originally. I've lived um, in between Guatemala and the U.S., moved a couple different times, but now I'm currently based out of Guatemala City with my wife and two kids, a three-year-old and a and an eighth months old, wow. a boy and a girl. So your wife is holding down the fort, literally. Yes, without quite, you, quite literally. Yes, yes. Um, I have been to. Well, I always say Guatemala, and here I am sitting next to you, and I'm like, I am such an American here, like. It's Guatemala. 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 Yeah. I've been once and it's so very beautiful. Awesome. Did you go for like I went with my friend. I went with my just, friend Jessica Honiger. She runs a um, fair trade jewelry business. Okay, Noonday cool. Collection. And so I went with a trip down there and met a bunch of her artisans that are creating jobs and creating jewelry. And it was really, really beautiful. That's so cool. We stayed in a great hotel. Yeah, I was like, I would go it. back here I, I try again. to get as many people as I can to come down and just experience it. See that there's a, there's a lot of that. So that, that's really cool. You got to do it. It's very, very beautiful. But you also spent, you went to college in the States. I did. So I, I grew up in Guatemala, born there. Uh, but I'm also a U.S. citizen. And so for college, I went to a, uh, during school, I went to an international kind of like missionary school, mm-hmm. then went to college in St. Louis. Uh, Missouri Baptist University, small Christian university, and then after college, moved moved back to Guatemala to do church planting. Okay. And so planted a church. Uh, took a couple of years to figure all that out, find the right pe- group of people, you know, that that sort of thing, doing it on God's timing, and uh, planted a church, and that's still there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, did I hear? Did I? Did you tell me that your parents were missionaries? So my parents, I, I, I did not grow up as a missionary kid, okay. but I was missionary adjacent. Tell like me I that. grew up around a lot of um, international people. So in, in my school, in my class, there was, you know, we had people from the UK, people from the US, people from the rest of Latin America, from, you know, Chile to uh, Colombia to, you know, Costa Rica and other countries. And so it was a kind of melting pot of, of cultures. And a lot of them were there in Guatemala serving as missionaries. I was just kind of, I don't know how I got in. I was just kind of another international kid in yeah. there. I, I've grown up, my family is uh, biracial, bicultural. So my mom is from Holland, from the Netherlands. And my dad is Guatemalan American. And so we grew up with just a little bit of, of everything. And yeah. so... Um, going to the states was not a crazy jump, right? You know, uh, uh, culturally, but it, it was a new experience. I had never lived there yeah. until I was, you know, eighteen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a little, we're kind of all over the place culturally. Right. I can see how God has just used so many parts of your growing up and story to give you this heart for the nations. Mm-hmm. So, I want to talk about storytelling because we 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 talked to David uh, on the Wednesday show and talked about like what is an unreached people group. Yeah. Uh, heard a lot about Secret Church, which I also want to ask you more about that. But for you, storytelling, how does that fit in for you with your work with Radical and what you're doing? That's my second question. Yeah. But first, I want you to tell us, why. how did you get into this love of telling stories? Well, I think it, it goes back a little bit to this the the way we grew up, uh, particularly in, in Spanish-speaking cultures. I mean, stories are just that's the way you talk like you get together you sit at the table and you tell stories that's the jokes are best told in the form of a story 
um, if you want to make a point, you don't just tell the person directly, like you tell a story about it to get them to understand that. And so in my own family, um, my, my grandparents on, on both sides, I, th- I think of my, my grandfather on, um, on my dad's side, he was a preacher, he was in ministry, he was a lawyer, but he loved telling stories. And when we got together pretty much every week, uh, you know, Sunday after church, like sitting around the table, he would like preach sermons to us and it was usually in the form of a story. Yeah. And uh, um, on, my, on my other side, my other grandfather was also in ministry. Um, he was from the Netherlands. Uh, survived, lived through World War II, has a crazy story himself of how he came to know the Lord, and just was, I didn't see him as often growing up, but the times that I did, it was like, spend all this time just absorbing the stories that you got. And so, as I as I started going into ministry and, and pastoring, and church planting, eventually, you know, ended up here at Radical, um, I've worked a lot in the creative space, worked a lot in media production, and just realizing that the more that I was in environments where I was teaching the Bible or hearing the Bible being taught, what would stay with me the longest and what would really stick and kind of just would, I couldn't get it out of my head was not always the, the exhortation piece of a sermon, but the, the story mm-hmm. of it, the narrative of, of, of crafting this, this idea, maybe sometimes through an illustration or, or maybe through the, just the narrative of, of the Bible itself, yeah. realizing this is, is, is in itself the story of God. Yeah. And so when I realized, oh, I can actually be a more effective communicator, because it works on me, mm-hmm. so maybe it works the same way on yeah. other people yeah. when it's in the form, a form of a story. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking Jesus was just this phenomenal mm. storyteller. Yes. I was watching um, The Chosen mm-hmm. just this week, and there's a scene where Jesus is speaking to not only just disciples, but people in the city. And he says, he says, stories connect us all. Mm. And it, it was just this beautiful, like, video moment in in the series and i believe that so much which is why i do my show like Mm -hmm. it is what i say stories change the world your story affects the world right in front of you like your story matters and this is so true for everything that you're saying as well and jesus did that so well you guys in january 2024 i made a commitment to myself i wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. 
Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. So when you're telling stories, how does that fit into your work at Radical? Yeah, so I started Radical um, last year. I've worked there for about a year. And my first, I'd worked with them a number of times on, on, on different projects uh, before I worked there full time. But um, my first real uh, in-person experience was at this event with a lot of leaders uh, from the, around the world, different sectors, um, who were just kind of sitting around and, and thinking deeply about the issues around, surrounding the church, the persecuted church, the unreached church, how do we reach them? And in that conversation, someone asked, we, we talk often about these, uh, the unreached church or the unreached countries and persecuted church as a place ca- being called like red zones. Mm-hmm. Like these are places where there are urgent physical and spiritual needs. And someone asked the question, well, why are the red zones red? Mm. And, and we started like listing some of the countries that are in these red zones. And I realized just how little I knew about not just about like the church and my brothers and sisters in these places. Like, I don't know anything about these countries at all, like just in general Mm. and realizing there was a story to be told there. And that often, I don't know what your experience has been kind of in the missions space or like at at your local church, but often the stories we tell about um, the international stories we tell about what's happening around the world can be very superficial Mm -hmm. or, you know, kind of one dimensional of just like, this is whatever, this is Amir, mm-hmm. you know, and Amir was Muslim and now he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, praise God for that. But I don't know anything about how did he grow up? Why is that significant? What, what is, are the circumstances? What, what are the circumstances? Yeah. yeah. What are the results of that? What are the challenges <laughs> that he's facing? And so there's a lot more just like historical context, the geography of the place, the, the culture, the religion that makes it a more of a well-rounded story that we often don't get um, in our churches or in, in, in the media that, that gets shared. And so that realizing that and having conversations with Radical, it kind of led us to this place where Radical um, invited me to join their, their team to do pretty much that, it's like help, you know, tell those stories. And so uh, my position really isn't so much to, uh, to talk a lot, but really go and learn and listen from these people uh, all around the world that are in uh, vastly like different situations than than our own. But surprisingly, there's a lot in common that we share in, mm. in Christ and in the gospel that um, we can learn from, and hopefully that will that will move us and motivate us to do something about it. Well, even you saying like there's so much that we have in common that we can learn from that, yeah. that brings down the idea that Christians on this side of the world have the best figured out, mm. the best way to do things, yes. and all things which is a common thought here yeah. that we, Amir, I'll speak for you. you well, you have a, you, you're a U.S. citizen as well, so am, I'm going to yeah. leap you in with us. <laughs> I was going to give you a pass. I count on both sides. You count on both sides. But we, we can often feel that way. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, unless we're really aware mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of retrain our thoughts to not be that way. And so even your storytelling is helping that. Was that the first video that you, the first film that you made about why, what makes the Red Zones red? Yes, that was one of the first ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've we've told a, few, a number of different stories. Um, this one of the first ones that we came out with just kind of introduced this idea of um, the unreached 
the need the 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 great imbalance uh as as we call it of there's this need for um resources there's so a third of the world right over three billion people some people disagree little disagree on the numbers but nobody disagrees it's less yeah but it's it's at least a third <laughs> at least you know, three billion yeah at least three billion um have yet to hear the name of jesus and not just hear it like they they heard it but right. like actually understand have a have a clear and accurate description articulation of the gospel right. um they just don't have that and so the question is how how does it how has it come to that when we live in a world that is so connected uh via technology via mm-hmm. travel via things like that that there would be so many people in this world that still have not heard this message i mean the church has been around for thousands of years right so how do we get to that point and the answer is more complex than probably what you can do in just a 10 or 15 minute video <laughs> we're not going to solve this problem right now Immediately. <laughs> yeah exactly but there, there are, there is a simple way of, of looking at it, and on, on the one hand, it's that these places, to it's a bit obvious, but these places are just really hard. Right, like they're really hard to enter. They're really hard to actually uh, create a, a gospel presence because mm-hmm. of um, their spiritual warfare. There's resistance. There are um, controlling. Uh, there are other forces in this world right. that do not want this message mm-hmm. to get out, and so you see that in places like Iran or other places in the Middle East where at a, at a government level, like there are um, very clear actions that are being taken to, um, to lower any possibility of, of Christianity or anything like that spreading, yeah. right? Like it is seen as like you are an apostate. You mm-hmm. have betrayed your family, like culturally, right. just to even like mention Christianity. Yeah. It's like you have betrayed your family. So um, these places are just hard to begin with, yeah. right? But the other side of it is that the kind of version of Christianity, of Western Christianity, Americanized Christianity, comfortable mm-hmm. Christianity, is it's easy, right? right? Like, it's really easy to live in this world where we're not being persecuted, mm-hmm. where everything, we have pretty much everything available to us. We're not, we're not in anyone's, you know, on anyone's radar. We're not causing right. any issues. So, like, it's very comfortable to just stay in our lane over yeah. here and do things that are quote-unquote easy yeah and so when you have those two realities paired up to each other like there's this really these places that are really difficult and these places that are actually kind of easy easy to live in Mm -hmm. um you don't really when you live in the easy you don't really want to engage with the difficult Mm -hmm. if that makes sense which your films are helping people do that yeah which you know the question i asked david last time was like how do we keep this on the forefront of our mind and i think that you know them bringing you on to make these films has been like a great a great step for helping American Christians realize, oh, it's different over mm. here. You know, you've you've visited a lot of countries and spoken to a lot of um, people, believers and unbelievers. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever I feel like things are kind of crazy and falling apart here in America, I have a friend um, who travels the world. I mean, she's in every country yeah. all the time. She's just like this massive evangelist traveling the world. You might have heard of her, Chris Kane. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk to Chris and I'll be like, listen, this everything's falling apart. And she's like, Jamie, the gospel is spreading around yeah, the world. Yeah. The church is growing. It's actually the opposite. It's actually Christians on the on the in the rest of the world are like, hey, what's happening in the US? <laughs> like, it seems like things are falling up. You know, it's like, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's exactly right. And so she is such a good reminder for me. And spending time with you guys is also such a good reminder for me that like having your head focus here in America where things mm-hmm. can feel hard in whatever way that might be for America, this comfortable Christianity, but the gospel is spreading. 
yeah. um, around the world. And God is doing some phenomenal things. So tell me a little bit about your experience of meeting Christians, either in these persecuted countries or from unreached people groups. Um, what has that been like for you? And tell me how, um, encourage us in America listening for your experiences yeah. um, around the world. Yeah, so obviously I live in Latin America in Guatemala, and Guatemala is actually surprisingly uh, very similar to the U.S. culturally. Okay. It's like the most, at least to part, parts of the U.S., like the Bible Belt, mm -hmm. you know? Guatemala is the most evangelical, quote-unquote, uh, nation in Central America really? and Latin I didn't America know that. Okay. in terms of like per capita. For you sure. Know, it's, uh, about 16 million people. And so... Um, so there you run into a lot of the same issues, surprisingly, that you would in in the States in terms of like cultural Christianity, a comfortable Christianity, kind of challenging that um, that that sort of culture. Um, but in many other places, uh, last year we were able to travel to, to Turkey, we traveled to Iran. Um, like I said, there there is this kind of, when you talk to people, you realize you sometimes Christians get the criticism that, what Christians are trying to do through mission work is just export an Americanized version of, of right. Christianity right. Or, or just Western ideals mm -hmm. or things like that. Mm -hmm. But when you realize just how much work is actually being done in Africa, in Asia, in the Middle East from indigenous believers who they're the ones actually going to the right. nations, you know, right. um, you realize that that's actually not very accurate mm. at all. I think about, um, I met when I was in Iran, I met the son of the first Christian Iranian martyr in, mm. in Iran. Um, this was back in the 90s. Uh, obviously, in 79, the Islamic regime took over the government in Iran. It takes about 9 to 12% of a population to overthrow the government, to start a revolution, and that's what the Islamic regime did. Uh, the Islamic regime is not actually representative of all of the people of Iran. They're actually a, a minority who are in power and doing everything to maintain that power, right? So they took over in 79. Immediately, the moment that that happened, um, every Christian ministry from the West, particularly from the U.S., pulled, pulled out. out. They had to pull out. Mm -hmm. And so um, leaving the Iranian church, which was still very young, uh, on its own. Mm. And this guy was telling me just the, his experience uh, as the son of a church planter, um, of an Iranian church planter, that when all of those ministries pulled out, they collectively wrote this letter, this kind of statement of the state of Christianity in Iran. And according to them, Christianity was done. Like, it's the over. The people who pulled out the wrote this letter. The people who pulled out wrote this letter and just basically said, this is the state of all of our work combined here. It, it's done. There's nothing can, else can be done. Basically, like Christianity here is over. And wow. for the church, which was small at the time, to hear something like that. So defeating. From, so defeating. They just felt like they had been completely abandoned. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it, it was, it, it's kind of a, a damning like statement mm -hmm. almost yeah. like of, of how we view missions like oh we're not here anymore it's so done. nothing's happening here anymore you know when in reality even though they pulled out like god There's was still very god, yeah. present his spirit was still very present in iran and and the church slowly began to grow yes under a lot of difficulties in secrecy underground you know doing whatever they could to meet in homes because there's no way you could at the time that you could meet publicly even mm. today it's very very difficult and so um, eventually, a few years later in the 90s, 
this guy, his, his father was uh, arrested and executed publicly. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the only people on record who is actually uh, a public execution from the Iranian government. They try to, you know, push it, yeah. throw it under the rug and everything. But um, this only, uh, it's, it's so encouraging to just listen to their stories and see how this, I don't know how that, how we would respond. Like if that were happening in our culture, in our, on our side of the pond today, but that small moment where everything seemed so bleak and everything seemed like it was going nowhere actually sparked and ignited. Like it's a pattern that we see in scripture, right? right? Persecution happens, the church spreads, the church grows. And that has happened in Iran up to the point where it's gone from in the past 20 to 25, 20 to 30 years has gone from being a church of some would say maybe there was 2000 Christians. Maybe there was like 20, 50 churches to over 2 million. Wow. And, uh, you know, according to some some sources, the fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran. Wow. And so you look at the history of Iran, the history of church there, and it's just a history of an amazing, like, it wasn't, it wasn't us. You know, it wasn't Mm. like American Christians or like missionaries who like made it all happen. Like, man, there was just a small seed of the gospel there. And under intense persecution i mean iran is the only country with a, an islamic theocracy mm. like like there's an islam islamic like pope the ayatollah like yeah. to, to look at it like he controls everything every position in the government he can remove he can put him back like they control everything but um because the government continues to be corrupt can, the economy continues to be terrible uh people continue to feel oppressed mm-hmm. they've associated that and they go wait isn't aren't isn't the Islamic theocracy in charge? Like, shouldn't we be over over this, above this? But it still happens. And so that has created a discontentment in people with Islam yeah. in general. And so... They're that, more that, open to the gospel. So they're more open to the gospel. So they're, yeah, so it's, exactly. So it's made it fertile ground for people to ask questions, to look for other answers, to look for answers elsewhere. And that sort of environment was just a perfect perfect ground for for the lord to do his work and change so just educate me a little bit um because it is an islamic nation we have all of these followers of jesus now are they allowed to publicly be christians so on paper uh uh, technically it is uh a lot christians are allowed there's actually a tiny minority uh, of an ethnic group of, of there's jews and and christians in iran but it is illegal for a muslim to convert to christianity it's illegal illegal. which most of the converts probably were muslim mm -hmm, okay got mm -hmm, it yeah and then uh it's also uh well i I won't speak from my own experience because obviously i've only been there for a little bit but i'll tell you what i heard the stories that i heard from people who were there i had a chance to meet with a number of iranian believers who are now outside of Iran, they were essentially forced to exile. And the stories that I heard, what they told me is they said, look, they'll put you in jail for some time, but they don't want to waste resources and money on you by keeping you in jail forever. So what they'll do is they'll put you in jail for some time, you'll get out, and then they'll just make your life impossible. Wow. And so the way that that looks like is, I was talking to to one uh, young guy, and he had his own business, he had gone to school, he was essentially thriving, and he he became a believer. And the moment that happened, he, he was, you know, he was a believer. He was not just, he didn't just receive the gospel, but he was sharing the gospel with people around him. And so he had a business and hired someone and, and started sharing the gospel with this guy. And after a while, turns out he did, you know, this guy actually was a spy and worked for the government. So one day he shows up to his business 
and the the doors are locked and the locks have been changed and so to he, his own to business. his own business and so he can't get in and so he goes to the authorities and starts asking questions saying hey i can't get into my own bit like some, something's happening here and they say oh no that business doesn't belong to you that's not yours it, it belongs to that guy all the paperwork here the government has says it belongs to the guy that he hired and so they took away his business similar stories to like other people they said they were going to college they became christians they started sharing the gospel they go to the college and the college says no you're not you're not registered here anymore you're not a student here we don't have any records of you so you can't work and you can't go to school you can't like further your education you can't further your life um talking to another couple they were saying um they became christians were sharing the gospel anytime they would go anywhere so they would go to their friend's house or their uncle's house and uh, just, you know, go hang out, get, get tea, drink tea, have a meal, spend time together. As soon as they would leave, cops would show up to the house and just start harassing their family. What do they say? What are they talking about? Are you a Christian now? Whatever. So to the point where their family members would call them and say, hey, don't come, don't come to my house mm. anymore. Don't visit me anymore because every time you come over, I get harassed by the cops and I don't want my kids. And so yeah. like, it's just impossible to live your life. And so when you live, when life is like that, you have no choice but to leave. Yeah. And so for, for that reason, there are, um, uh, there's millions of uh, Iranian refugees. Many have been displaced just because the government is, is oppressive to begin with. Right. But many of them are, are believers because as a believer, you just can't live mm. a normal life uh, in, in Iran. Mm. And so that's kind of the, the picture of, of persecution. But it's interesting because as Iranians have, have fled Iran and, and are making a life uh, for themselves in other places like, like Turkey, for instance, um, there are a, there's a growing number of, of uh, opportunities to do ministry with Iranians who, who are traveling back and forth mm -hmm. or with Iranians who live outside. Like um, there, are, there are millions of Iranians in, in Turkey um, and there's actually more Iranian Christians in Turkey than there are Turkish Christians right. just because so many have have, have moved left, and, been for, uh -huh. and have left and so the nations are kind of spreading out beyond their borders and and if you want to reach Iran you don't necessarily have to go Either into Iran. Iran there's like there's a lot of Iranians in, in other places and surprisingly like culture they're just very open to getting answers in other places and wow. asking questions mm -hmm. and, and finding out more about, about your, what you believe and why you believe it. And so, um, so I'm just consistently like encouraged by, yeah. by the stories that I hear, particularly this guy who, uh, the, the son of the, the, the Iranian martyr, um, he, he had just finished, he, he was forced to leave Iran, um, last year and he had just finished building what he told me was his dream house mm. he said man i had just spent like so much money like my wife and i like this was the house that we always wanted wow. like growing up and it was a house where they they hosted a church right yeah. they said and several other churches came out um and the police came and knocked on their door and said um hey we know you're a pastor this is after they finished building the house right they said hey we know you're a pastor so here's what we're gonna do. We, uh, we're actually, we're gonna start a church, a Christian church hosted by, by the Iranian government. And it's gonna be uh, like the government sanctioned church. And we want you to be the pastor. And if you're the pastor, man, we'll give you, we'll make sure you're well taken care of financially. You have everything, you, you will never be harassed again. You know, you're, uh, you're gonna be, you know, we'll put you in front of people. Uh -huh. Like you're gonna be yeah. the guy, like government stamp approval. But 
obviously there's strings attached. Yeah, yeah. A lot of lot of strings attached, right? Essentially, you you do what we say, Mm -hmm. and you say what we say. You teach what we want you to teach, right? And immediately he was like, "No, I'm I'm not down for that." Yeah. Um, And after hours of being interrogated, and you know, they took his wife away, his children away. They put him in different rooms and tried to interrogate him all and everything realized they weren't going to do anything they weren't going to accept that offer and so the police just completely trashed the house mm. um and uh, they got to the point i mean they they, they had children they had the other point that were they had to leave and yeah. leaving for them wasn't like all right we'll get on a plane and go like they walked like across the mountains and had to cross the border and leave the country and so there is a very real like when we talk about like you have there is a real sacrifice mm. to following christ and for for some people it may look like like we're talking about how do we give sacrificially maybe i don't buy that thing maybe i i budget a little bit more maybe i tie them give to missions like there are believers who are literally giving up everything Mm. to say yeah no i i will follow jesus even if that means i lose these dreams of of this world yeah you know the the life that uh-huh. i thought i would have even if it means i'm gonna live in exile yeah for my own people for my own family uh for the rest of my life wow um because that's what it means to to count the cost i was telling you i read the article last night in christian today about the 50 hardest mm. places to countries to be a christian yeah and i found myself i, I skimmed it. i need to go back and read it but i found myself asking myself yeah would you would you would you would you survive would you say this like when mm. you're telling that story and like my husband's a pastor i'm like would we let them trash our house and say yeah. and, and i want to say yes you know what i mean but mm. the thing is I, i'm probably never going to experience that here right. in america and so it's just the sobering reality of what our brothers and sisters have to endure. Mm. You said this family fled to Turkey and you've spent time in Turkey Mm. um, and have some videos about that, which by the way, we're going to link to every video you have released all of the things um, because I am a fan and love them and you're doing such good work. But let's talk about Turkey for a minute where Turkey used to have more Christians than it does today. Is that what you would say? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, um turkey is like particularly significant in church history and like just a history of like how christianity spread out around the world right so um we talk a little bit about in this video uh we did like a short documentary explainer video about about turkey um called uh how the christian capital of the world became muslim and essentially like when you look at the seven churches in revelation um those are all in turkey if paul's missionary journeys went through turkey when Constantine, um, emperor of, of the Roman Empire, uh, converted to Christianity and made Christianity the state religion uh, of the empire, uh, he did that in Constantinople, which is present-day Istanbul, in Turkey, right? So um, it's just very a significant. Lot a lot of A lot of history, a lot of growth there. Um, and so, and that's just, you know, scratching, scratching the surface. So, but that's really where Christianity blew up. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was cool because we got to go and kind of experience some of that history, um, like the Nicene Creed, which mm-hmm. is this, this creed that basically establishes like some of the foundational beliefs of like what it means to follow, wh- who, who is Jesus, who uh-huh. is God? 
uh, the Trinity, all these things were, that was all written in, in Turkey. We went to like the ruins of the places where like that was, where it's believed that that was written and compiled. Like all of that was Constantine telling the church for the first time ever, like openly, no longer persecuted, like, Hey, gather for Mm. a month and talk about and discuss like, what it is it, what is it that Christianity actually believes? Yeah. And so all that was, was Turkey. There was cathedrals, like it's just huge. Um, but you know, fast forward a couple hundred years, obviously I'm going like super, super fast through, through hundreds of years of history here, but, um, Ottoman empire comes in, uh, there's wars are fought, crusades, things like that. Ultimately Christianity loses Armenian genocide. There's like so many things contributing to, um, the growth of Islam Mm -hmm. in Asia, in the middle East and ultimately in Turkey. And, uh, about a hundred years ago, Maybe the Christianity there was it was about it went down to about like twenty percent for it being twenty percent Christian. Um, this is a country of uh, today, you know, eighty six million people, eighty nine between eighty six and eighty nine million people. Um, and over the last hundred years, that has only as as Islam and secularism has grown, that number has gone all the way down to zero point two percent. And so it is so about one hundred seventy thousand Christians in a country of 89 million. And that's just Christians, like including Catholics, uh-huh. like everything, like Orthodox, like everything. And so it's just a smaller sliver of that are Protestants. Um, and so it is really hard to find uh, Christians in, in Turkey. And so- Would it be a red in the red zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that Christianity uh, Today article about the, the top 50 places, uh-huh. it's in the top, yeah. it's in the top 50. I think it's probably in the top like 20. Yeah. And so, um, it's weird because the country that you would go, it's technically not illegal to be a Christian, but uh, since it is so, since being a, 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 the nationalist identity of Turkey is Muslim. Okay. And so if you are a good Turk, you you're, are, a Muslim. you're a Muslim. And so because of that, just like culturally and in family life, society life, like if you're a Christian, you can't be in any sort of government government position, authority position, police for education, all of those things, like it's just really hard. There can't be Christian seminaries or like higher education institutes, uh, things like that, just not that, allowed. Not allowed, not allowed. Um, there are churches though, and it is technically legal to be a Christian. It's just, there's a lot of what I'm described, like what I've described is just like harassment mm-hmm. and making your life impossible yeah. as a Christian. And so, um, even while we were there, it was really hard to find people to to talk to mm. for for this. You know, I would imagine because it's just so <laughs> the 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 pool is just yeah. so small, and so uh, it, it's just fascinating to see how a place that was so dominantly Christian mm-hmm. probably the ha, has completely turned around. Right, like yeah. place that you would go, you know, maybe a thousand years would go. Oh man, there, I can't imagine us ever living in let in a culture that would be dominantly a completely different right. religion, right? Like yeah. how do you make that switch? Yeah. And so like a really good example of that is, um, and we talk about this in the video is there's this cathedral called uh, Aya Sophia. And uh, it was actually built like named after the emperor's mother, Sophia. And so it was built as a Christian, as a Christian cathedral. Mm-hmm. And you walk in and it feels like a, like if you've been to like Spain or yeah. like anywhere else in Europe, you're like, it's, it's massive, yeah. you know? Um, it was at one point the largest building on earth. And, uh, but today it was turned into a museum for some time, but then today it was actually turned into a mosque. Okay. And so you walk in today and, and it just feels like just eerie, like something's mm. off because it, 
looks kind of like a cathedral, but then they, they later built these minarets outside and you walk inside and it's all carpeted. You have to leave your shoes at the mm-hmm. door and where usually there would be like, you know, like Catholic frescoes and, mm-hmm. you know, or Orthodox iconography or things yeah. like that. Like it's all just like, like crucifixion. Yeah. That. Like it's all just like Arabic writing, like the geometric patterns and mm-hmm. abstract art of, of Islam, uh, of Islamic architecture. And it literally is covering what was there before. And so when it was a museum, you could actually go out, they have like these beautiful tapestries of the apostles and things Mm -hmm. like that. All that is like upstairs and like, or I don't know, in storage somewhere, but you can't see it. You can't see it anymore. And so it really, it's it's a great example. It's like a microcosm of like Turkey in general, where it's like this place that used to be so dominantly Christian is Mm -hmm. no longer, it's no longer that. And so you have this kind of melting pot now of it's, majority islam but there's there's a ton of there's a a, a strong secularist force there mm-hmm. as well yeah um and and that makes it a really um difficult and stifling environment for mm. for gospel advancement mm. you talked about people from iran coming in mm-hmm. and it feels like nations reaching nations yeah which i think is like another conversation for mm-hmm. another day that is is so exciting but when they're coming into turkey it is a release for them as right because they can now live freely as a follower of Jesus, Correct. even though there's let there's, you know, not right. as many. Okay. That makes sense. Um, you know, we talked, I talked on Wednesday with David about secret church mm-hmm. and, um, what we didn't talk about is the, the format of it. Yeah. And so the reason I want to talk with you about that is because you're going to be releasing some films during that. So tell us about the films that you're going to be releasing during Secret Church, which I yeah. said I said with David, anyone can go and sign up and uh, mm-hmm. it's secretchurch.org and yep. it comes out next Friday. And so you can be a part of it, get a group together, get your family. Um, and then I believe it'll be available for a little bit of time after if you're listening to this later. But what are you releasing at Secret Church? Yeah, so we've, we've done this event, Secret Church, um, for many, many years, for longer than I've been at Radical, um, where David uh, takes, um, it's essentially an intense time in, in the Word mm-hmm. uh, to really dive deep into a book of the Bible or a topic on the Bible um, and learn it the way many Christians have to around the world, Right. Um, they only have a small window uh, of time, small opportunity to all sit together. And so they take, they make the most of it, right? Yeah. And they dive deep. And, and so that's what that, that night is about. Um, but it's also time for us to highlight kind of stories of what God is doing around the world. And so um, we started this series, that these videos that you mentioned uh, called Neighborhoods and Nations, where every week we're, we're traveling to different places, telling the story of God's work in, in, in hard-to-reach places. And we're kind of tying those things in together with secret church so there'll be four there's usually there are four sessions of teaching uh this year it'll be on on the book of jonah and in between those four sessions there's three um episodes or segments where we will be in iran uh like we actually got to go to iran and uh and meet people there meet the church there tell their story and so it's it's a time of diving deep into the word but also just seeing how the word has gone out into unexpected and difficult places around the world particularly iran um so it's it'll be fun it'll it'll be exciting i'm super excited about it and like i said it's secretchurch.org you guys can go look it up steven i love the work that you're doing with neighborhoods and nations 
Um, in fact, I wanted to say this. You, you, you wrote this somewhere, and you said, we want to experience the stories of people in places that we often only see as prayer bullet points or news headlines. Mm. And I think that is a desire of a lot of people here, that yeah. they're yearning uh, for that as well. And so you are creating a space for that. And so thank I'm grateful you. for you, and thank you for coming on the happy hour. I want to ask you, what are you reading these days? Man, um, so is it okay if it's not a Christian book? Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. I just want to know if I'm breaking You're a rule there. on the happy there. hour. Okay, cool. Well, it um, I'm reading a book right now. It's actually given to me by my producer uh, called The Power of Geography Okay. Uh, by Tim Marshall. I don't know if you know him. He's a reporter. He's, he's literally gone to like every country in the world yeah. and uh, and stayed there and gotten to know it uh, really well. And so, but what I love about him is he, his each chapter is like a different book and it just kind of, or, or yeah, it's a different country. Um, and each one reads kind of like a Wes Anderson Ooh, script. Like, okay. you know, where like in these Wes Anderson movies where there's like this exposition narration is kind of like giving you the context of yeah. a place or uh-huh. the story. And so it just, just reads really well. Uh-huh. And so um, I just kind of read it in like Adrian Brody's voice or, <laughs> or Ralph Fiennes or something the whole yeah. time. And like a British accent at least. And so uh, I love it just because I... I'm on this kick currently of there are so many things I do not know about the rest of the world right. that I'm I'm trying trying to yeah. trying to learn right learning mode, and so uh, that book he's got a couple uh, different ones um, they're all like New York Times bestsellers yeah. Prisoners of Geography uh, the Power of Geography and so I would recommend it to anybody who Ooh, I just love it. the each I mean it, they're it's a good way to just like get a quick idea of like the history of a, yeah. of, a of a place. As someone who I'm sure you like, you love movies, I would guess. Yes. What is one of the best movies you've seen recently? Um, man, uh, well, this is after the Oscars, right? So, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. You know, I, don't I haven't know if you've seen, seen it. That. No, I'm like the only oh one that has gosh. it. But my son, who is really into films and yeah. he actually wants to be um, in the industry, loves that movie. Yeah, it is wild. I mean, it was like a super uh, small budget but they made the most of it. Yeah. And so if it's like the whole multiverse, I know that that's like mm-hmm. common. Like, uh-huh. like all the Marvel movies are, this is like the best actual multiverse approach to telling that sort of story. Okay. And so uh, I loved it. I'm going to listen to you on that, but we usually when people say multiverse, I say I'm out. Like I, know. I just, I know, I'm no, not no, really know, into that kind of stuff. I, and I get it. Like it, the whole Marvel thing. I'm like, not, it, that's not it. At okay, all. okay. Okay. Like this is a completely different take. So I've heard that. Yeah. So I've, I have heard it's that. It's great. It's great. Um, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour and everyone go find neighborhoods and nations. You can get it on YouTube, but we'll put links all in the show notes so you guys can find it. Um, and don't forget to register for secret church at secretchurch.org. It is live next Friday. So super excited about that. Stephen, thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. You guys, I hope that you've enjoyed this week of episodes all about unreached people groups with these two shows that we had today. Don't forget, we have two more episodes next week with Andy and Jessica, and I hope that they're informative. I hope they push your heart towards loving God's people more. I hope they encourage you, and I hope your eyes and your ears and your heart are open a little bit more to the great need that we have with over 3 billion people not knowing the name of Jesus. Guys, thanks for tuning into the happy hour. I would love it if you'd share this show with a friend. It's the number one way that people find out about the show, and I feel super honored to tell these stories over the next two weeks all the stories on the happy hour for sure but these two weeks are super special for me so i would love it if you shared with a friend the happy hour with jamie ivy is a production of ivy media podcast executive produced by jamie ivy produced by Lindsay sweeney edited by angie elkins show notes by nikki ogden art by jen jet barrett original music by matt graham and i'm your host jamie have a happy hour with a friend <laughs>